Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. You just look around and see the people who are sitting next to you, above you maybe in some cases, uh, people that know that truth and live it out daily, uh, that are expressing what it means to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but more importantly are living out that faith in such a way that the world sees that message. And when the world sees it, knows it, and experiences that message firsthand. Uh, the, this part of James that we'll be looking at today uh, verses, again, if you have your Bibles, I hope you'll have them open in just a second. Uh, James 2, verses 14 through 26 is a message of what it means for us to have faith that genuinely works, a faith that is something that is more than something we hold on to, even though we need to do that. It's more than something that we cherish, even though we need to do that. It's something that we express and we share that message of love. That's the message. If you haven't heard it, Robert, thank you. Uh, the music that we've sung today speaks to that, of what it means for us to understand God's love and how we express that daily in our lives. Uh, years ago, I asked a friend, his name was Leo. Uh, I'll tell you his name, his last name is Daughtry. Leo was a gymnologist, all right? And so he knew all about diamonds. He knew all about everything. I asked him two questions. What's the first thing you need to make a diamond? Leo made it pretty, pretty simple to me. Three things, he said. Time, pressure, and heat. That's not unlike our lives. If we have an expectation that our lives in Christ are changed, there ought to be a result. And that leads to the next question that I ask Leo. How do you determine whether a diamond is what it should be or not? And he said that there were four, four lists, four things that he used to judge the quality of a diamond. The first was carrot. The second was cut. The third was clarity. And the final was color. In our lives, Christ seeks to call us to examine our hearts because he does that every day. And he does that in your life and mine. He examines our life. The question is whether you and I are about examining our lives or if you're as I examining someone else's. I'm pretty good at knowing what kind of cut, color, carrot, and clarity is in Karen's life, all right? Because I see her all the time, and I know her, and I thank, I thank God for her patience with me. And I promise, Chris, I'll not do it again, all right? Uh, Chris has to fall out of the pew every time I make a goof when I say something about Karen. But, but I see that evidenced. I see it in her life, and I know it. You know who it's harder for me to see? You know who it's harder for me to understand is to examine myself? And I don't like to do that because there are so many times when I look at my life and I see qualities that are there that should not be there. I see flaws that are there that I should not see in my life. And there's a reminder that God has for me. That's what James is talking to us about in that passage that Justin read just a minute ago, a message of what it means for us to understand what God desires of our lives. 
that in that personal relationship we have with Jesus Christ, there's a call for us to see the love of him lived out. And it's a critical concern that he has. I want you to look at James 2.14 real quickly. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Two questions. Did you hear them both? The two questions. Look at it. If a man claims to, ha claims to have faith but no deeds, can such a faith save him? Do you remember we talked about this a couple of Sundays ago? If you see my brothers, look at your scripture in, your, in God's word. What's it say? James is about to let us have it with a whammy here. Here comes another whammy. My brothers, why does he do that? We talked about that. He does that, I think, to explain to us and to the people that he's writing to, he's no different than you and I are. He's the same. He experiences the same failings. He experiences the same disappointments. He experiences the same thing that we did. And he wants us not to think of him as something different than you and I are. And what he says is basically, there's a call for us to examine our own lives to see how we stand before God. But more importantly, I think, how you and I stand before the world. How does the world see us? How do they evaluate Jesus Christ through us? Because we are the lens through which so many people know who Jesus Christ is. And you are the, here it comes, this is a gotcha. I've shared this with you before. It never changes. You are the best example of a Christian that someone knows. If that doesn't frighten us, I don't know what should. But James calls us to examine our lives in two respects. And the first deals with that first question that he asks us. What does it profit a man? Does that sound familiar to you? If you see Matthew, Matthew's gospel, Matthew 16, 24 and following, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Here it comes. Look at verse 26. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? There's a point at which we need to examine our lives and see what that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ is all about. If it is not at the heart of who we are, if it is not at the basis of who we are, and we find that there are other things that crowd that out, the football games that we'll watch this afternoon, the children that will come visit us one of these days, the, the people that we love and care for, our families, if we find those things, and I hate to use that word, you know what I mean, it can be cars, it can be homes, it can be jobs, it can be those things. But I think that those are the things that are secondary for me. It's the things I think are more important. You know how to tell what is important to someone when you go in their home? Look on their walls. Look and see what's around. I know Karen is thinking about this, and she's thinking, we don't have very many pictures up in our house. We have clocks all over the house, and the guys that came to the house the other day know what I'm talking about. There's clocks every place, all right? Is that it? Is that what's important? You know what? I love clocks. I like clocks. But I love my wife a lot more than that because she puts up with my love for clocks. She doesn't have to. She does it. Why? Because she loves me. 
The nature of our attitudes is seen in those things that are important to us. And what James is saying to us in this passage is, what are you gaining? What is the goal that you have in your life? What is your purpose? What have you done today that others might see Christ through you? How have you shared your faith with Jesus Christ today? We didn't do the gospel in our town. Did you notice that? There's a reason for that. After the worship service, if you're not up here praying, or even after you're through praying, I want you to go back and look at the map if you haven't looked at the map recently. We're running out of places on the map to show where members of Grace Baptist Church have had personal encounters with individuals and share their personal testimony with someone. Well over a hundred now. I think we're probably closing in on 200. Somebody's gonna, somebody that has a lot more time than I do, uh, go up and count the board and let us know what the new number is today, all right? But the message is pretty simple. That is what we're supposed to be about. That is why our faith becomes active. That is how our faith works. Because that's the issue that James' book is about. James's epistle is about that message. Is our faith working? And how does it work? It only works if you and I are about sharing that faith with people that desperately need to hear it. A message of what it means for us to understand and know that Jesus Christ is Lord, but then to share that with somebody just as we speak with them. How many of you will go into the store sometime through the course of the week and have an opportunity? You're going to see it. You'll know it. God will give it to you. And he'll say, now's your time. Now's your chance. This is the opportunity for you to share. This person is ready to hear, and I've given you, I put the two of you together for this specific reason. This is the time that you say, well, let me tell you about my relationship with Jesus Christ and what he's doing in my life. You may think, well, I'm afraid to do that. I can tell you right now, the world is longing to hear that message. I've never asked if somebody would want to hear my testimony and had them say, no, I'm not interested. Actually, I did have a guy back at IU, and that was been years ago. People are ready to hear your message. People are ready to hear your testimony of what Christ is doing. It doesn't need to be a 45-minute sermon. It needs to be, here comes, are you ready for this? Less than 30 seconds. You ought to be able to share your testimony of Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life in less than 30 seconds. And the amount of time it takes you to get from the basement floor of the hospital to the fifth floor. You ought to be able to share that message with somebody and look at the people. Think about when you go to the hospital. What are people doing? What are people looking for? They are looking for hope and they need help. And God gives us that chance time and time again. How many opportunities will Christ give you this week to share that good news, to share that message? Is your faith working? That's the first question that we see James share with us in that passage, a message of what it means for us to understand. But there's a second question. Does that faith, look at it, you'll see it in verse, was it verse 14? Is that right? Help me. I'm looking down wrong, seeing the wrong place. 15, thank you. Do you have a hope that will save you? Now, this is an old philosophical thing. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How many of you checked your chairs, your pews out before you sat down to be sure they'd hold you up? Did anybody do that? 
We don't do that because we know these things are substantial, and we know these things are true, and we know they've held us up in the past, and so we just plop down, don't we? That's the way I do it. We just plop down because we trust them implicitly. Do you know that the faith that you have, the faith that you are living right now, that's what James is talking about, faith working in your life, do you know that that faith is the faith that's going to allow you to stand before the Father and have him ask you this question, why should I let you in my heaven? Why should I take you in? What answer do you give? If you give any other answer, then Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I have given my life, my heart, my all to him. You failed. If that is not being lived out in your life, we're failing. There's a call for us to recognize the opportunity that God gives us, and it's a difficult thing for us to deal with. It's a, it's a critical concern that each of us must face. But there's also an example that James gives us of a concrete case. James is good about this. James gives lots of illustration, and that's what he does in verses 15 through 17. Look at those verses with me again. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, don't you love this, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accomplished by action, is dead. I like the fact that James calls us to suppose. You know what that word means basically in the English? Think. We've talked about this. James has used this word before. Sometimes we think as believers, we don't really need to think a lot. We just need to trust and obey, right? We just need to trust and obey. James calls us to think about what this relationship we have is all about. What does it mean? And so what does he do? He gives us a case study. And he says, if this happens, how would you respond? Here's the problem. This is a pretty simple thing. Our world is full of dying, lost people. They are hungry for the Word of God. They're thirsty for the living water. And what do we tell them? We tell them, go, be blessed. All, it, look, look at those verses. You know what? Every one of those verses, every one of those responses is a common response for that day. 2,000 years ago, this is what people said, go and be blessed, all right? I hope everything works out fine for you. But my husband's dying. Well, I'm so glad you're there with him. I'm so glad that you're able to be there with him. You just go ahead and you just go and have a great day. There's a call that God has for us to be willing to take time to spend that time with someone that is struggling with those questions. Take time to take the message of what God has done in your life to show and share with them a testimony of how God has blessed you through a similar situation. But here's the thing. Don't do what Bob does. Don't do so much of this and do a lot more of what? This. Listen. It's hard, isn't it? How many of you are ready to listen to somebody else's problems? I have difficulty doing it, all right? I'll just be honest with you. 
Because I'll be thinking, well, I could be doing this or I could be doing that. You know what? God gives us those opportunities for a reason. As we work with children, as we work with adults, to listen to that person and not be ready to give them the answer. Suppose, James says, suppose if. And the message is that we need to be ready to listen to the needs that are in somebody else's life and then respond to those needs in the kindness and the love of Jesus Christ. That is a concrete example. And as we look at one another and we say we love one another, then we need to ask ourselves, how are we sharing that love with one another? What are we doing to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ in the life of this person that God's put in my way right now? And if you don't have an answer for that, if it's not the answer that you already know, if you're a believer and that's here this morning, you know what Christ would have you do and you know how God would have you treat that situation and that circumstance, it's an evaluation tool for us to stop and say, wait a minute, I'm doing this all wrong. I'm not where Christ has called me to be. I'm not doing what Christ, and that's what James wants. He wants us to think about those issues, and then he wants us to address them in such a way. And he tells us, what good is it? What is it worth for you to have that kind of faith? If you have a faith that produces no results, if you have a faith or brother who has no coat, and you tell him to go keep warm, if you have a sister that doesn't have any food and you tell her to feed herself, you say you have a faith, but there's no proof of it, what does James say? Did you hear it? It's in that very last verse. Then your faith is dead, and it's good for nothing. No fruit, no coat, no food, no proof, no faith. So how can we tell if someone is really alive. I love what James does in this passage. I went through, tried to figure out how, you know, metabolism, all that thing. You know what I found? I'm looking at Nick right now. You know what I found is the best example of how to describe how you find out if something is alive or not? You stick it, poke it with a stick. You get it? You, I've done that. <laughs> How many boys in this room have done that over their lives? How many times have you poked something with a stick to see if it's alive or not? James is poking us. You get it? James is poking us right now. God is using James' word to make us stop and think about the faith that we have and the reality of what that faith means to us and means to those around us. Are you sharing it? Are you giving the love of Christ with other people, to other people? Are you demonstrating what that love is all about? James calls us to evaluate our lives and see how we stand before the Father. I'll show you my faith by what I do, is what James says. Makes it pretty simple, doesn't he? Critical concern, a concrete case, a crucial correction, and that correction is that we see where we are in our relationship and there's a confused confession. You're going to kind of understand this, and you'll see our second response to James's accusation. Look at verse 19 through uh, 20. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Do you understand what James is talking about there? Do you understand the message of what he says? 
The basic fruit, the basic understanding of the Jews of that day was pretty simple. And James is writing to most people who are probably coming from a Jewish background. What was it? It came from Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And James is saying, okay, if you just go on that, how are you doing? How are you living your life? How and what are you about? The message that James shares with us is that it's not enough for us to hear the message. It's about believing it. Do you believe in God today? I don't, don't have to shake your hands. You don't, don't have to even nod your head. Listen to these questions. Do you believe that Jesus is God's one and only Son? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that he was buried and rose to life on the third day? Do you believe that Jesus is seated right at the right hand of God? Do you get the message? What's James telling us? That's real good. Even the demons believe that. There are a lot of people that believe things and know things that don't have any use for what they know. They don't put into application the knowledge is there. James takes another stick and pokes us once more. He says, you're not any better than the demons that are causing all the problems in your life if you don't do something with the faith that God has given you. If your faith is not alive, if your faith is not active, if your faith is not being lived out through your life, answer me this question. What good is it? Jesus made it pretty clear, didn't he? He talked about who we are, and he talked about we are the uh, city built on a hill. We are the salt of the earth. And then what does he say? But if the salt becomes flavorless, what good is it? It's not even, you can't even put it on a manure. That would be an okay thing if you could do that. At least you could compost it. But you can't do anything with it. It's not good for anything. It's, a, it's again, it's another head slap for me. It's Jesus reminding me of what I need to be about, what the real focus should be about in each of our lives. That we're sharing not what we know, but who we know. That the world would know that Christ is Savior. Christ is Lord of our lives. If not, our faith is dead. James doesn't let up. He just keeps going, it seems to me. And he keeps telling me that there's so many things in my life that are not where they're supposed to be. How do we live that life? Our hope is built on the relationship we have with the Savior. James told us this back earlier in James 2.8. If you have your Bibles, turn to that. James 2.8. You can just look up. How do you know if you really have what you're supposed to have? If you really keep the royal law found in the Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing what God would have you do. Is it that simple? Jesus said it was, didn't he? Which is the greatest commandment? Here it comes. Boom. Deuteronomy 6.4. And then, boom. Jesus says, Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. If Grace Baptist Church is not about sharing the love of Jesus Christ with one another and the world around us, we are spinning our wheels. And it won't be long before this building will be completely empty and become something different than it is now. The call that we have is to be about doing what Christ has called us to be. And that is we are to be loving those who are around us. And that people would not only see it and hear it, but they would experience Christ's love through us. James is not done yet. He's still going. He gives us another case story real quickly. Let me check. We're okay. Look at verse 21 and following, 21 through 25. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did? He offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. You understand that? He put his faith into action. And his faith was made complete because he did what he said. He did what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled and says, Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that that person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave the lodging to the spies and sent them off, the, that is, the people, in a different way. Okay, real quick, this won't take two seconds, I'll give you. Abraham's pretty simple, right? We see what happens. This one thing I demand of you, God says. What was it? Abraham had been waiting for 75 years, 100 years, basically, to get the gift that God has given him. And then what does God say to him? I want you to offer that gift back to me. How many of us in this room, think about that. You know what he was, Isaac. That's what he's talking about. If you don't know, his son, his one and only son that he's waited his whole entire life for. And what does God say? I want him back. That's a hard thing to imagine. It's a hard thing to conceive. And God desires that, though, of each of our lives, that that which is most precious to us, that we're willing to give it back to him. And do what? Not only believe in him, but trust him. And Abraham leaves his home, he leaves his family, and he goes to a place that God doesn't even tell him where it is. He says, basically, you'll know where it is when you get there. And I tell you so. And he uses Abraham. What a, what a sterling example of somebody that trusts God. And then where does he go with this? What is James doing? He talks about Rahab, the prostitute at Jericho. What did, what did Rahab do? Rahab listened to what people were saying about this God who was leading the children of Israel. They crossed the Red Sea. Every city that they came to, they defeated this band of nobodies were, were shaking the earth. And Rahab realized something that so many people of her day didn't realize. It wasn't the children of Israel that were doing all this. It was the God that they served. And Rahab was ready to put her life in the hands of those who shared and proclaimed that message because she believed the word that she had seen lived out in their lives. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to have that kind of faith that you give it all to God in such a way that he's able to use it completely? All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. 
I will ever love and trust him in his presence. How do we do that? Daily live. I surrender most of what I have. I surrender all the leftovers that I have. I surrender those things that aren't as important to me that I have. I surrender all. There's a call for us to know that God's love is lived out in our lives. Finally, there's a climactic conclusion in verse 26. Look at what he says. Read it to yourself before I say it. As the body without the spirit is dead, so the faith without deeds is dead. There's a call for every one of us who's here this morning to look and see where our faith lies. You know what? If it lies in me, your pastor, you're going you're gonna to fail because I am fallen, flawed, and I fail every day. Our faith is not in those who lead us. Our faith is the one in the one who called us. That's what the disciples did. What did Jesus say? Come, follow me. I'm going to make everything real easy for you. It's going to be really, don't worry, everything's going to work out just fine. Everything's going to be good. You're not going to have any problems. You're always going to have a lot to eat because I'm going to make food come out, right? Is that it? I'm going to heal the dead. I'm going to do all that kind of sick. I'm going to fix everything. Is that what Jesus said? Come follow me. Pick up your cross and come along and I'll be with you through the whole thing. That's what Jesus calls us to, that kind of relationship, that we would have that faith and share that faith daily with those who are desperate to hear it. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for your love for us. We thank you, Father, for the salvation that comes to us through your son, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the faith that you even give us. Your word tells us that, even, even that faith, the trust that is ours is a gift that comes from you. I pray, Father, I'd be just like that man whose son wouldn't, couldn't get healed by the disciples. And Jesus said, well, this is a really tough one. He said, the guys can't do this for you, but I can. And he said, in the name of, in my name, come out of that boy, evil spirit. And the evil spirit came out and was gone. The message was that Jesus needed to handle that problem. And that father said before he asked that request, help me with my unbelief. There may be someone here today who is struggling with that issue of unbelief, of trials and troubles and not knowing the answer. Father, help us in our unbelief that we trust you implicitly with everything as that man did his son. And then you're ready to heal us. Heal us, draw us to you. And Father, for those of us that know you, forgive us for the failings that are ours and help us to have a changed life. P poke us, stick us, make us move. Help us be uncomfortable, Father, to the point that we trust you implicitly with everything we have and everything we are. And Father, in that, we'll see the change that you can bring in our lives, for that change comes through the movement of your Spirit in our hearts. And it's in the name of the Spirit, the Son of God, our Savior Jesus, that we come to you with these things. Amen.
Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.